This is an ABC podcast. Warning, there is some swearing coming up in this podcast today and also maybe tomorrow. When Jenna Holmes was 16, she created her first vision board. It came together on a canvas, about 80 centimetres squared, which she'd picked up from the local art supply store. I actually will say that Celine Dion's legs are on there because I was like, I want to be like 50 and have like Celine Dion's hot legs. I mean, really, if you Google them, they're beautiful. The logic of the vision board goes like this. Our thoughts shape our world. So visualising what we want in our lives, it attracts those things to you. Helps you to figure out how to get from here to there. I actually have a picture of my granddad and my dad with their arms around each other laughing because I was like, I want to marry someone that has that relationship with their dad. Jenna had been inspired to make this vision board after learning about The Secret, the movie-turned-book-turned-worldwide self-help phenomenon. She was a visual person, and the concept just made complete sense to her. And I have the word chutzpah because I remember when I heard it described, I was like, I love that word. I want someone to describe me as that. And Jenna had learned about all of this from a teacher of sorts, who also featured heavily on the vision board. Up in the top right-hand corner, um, there's a picture of me and Oprah in a salad bowl. We both had a black and white photo, and then there was a big quote. Um, it was one of her quotes. It said, there's no such thing as luck. There's only preparation meeting opportunity, which basically means that, like, the universe doesn't set something up for you. Something is presented to you and you've spent your life preparing for it and they meet each other in the middle and then they go off together. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These. Meeting Jenna Holmes, you quickly realise here is a person comfortable in their own skin. Jenna will tell you that she owes a whole lot of that to one woman, Oprah Winfrey. And since she was a girl, Jenna desperately wanted the chance to thank Oprah in person for all that she'd taught her. So she did what any Oprah devotee would do. She created a vision board and she got to work manifesting the whole damn thing. I'm fine with being that person at a party who's like, oh my God, do you feel the energy? Like, you know, that's fine. I'm okay with it. When I say that Jenna is comfortable in her own skin, I mean that she really gives off this sense of knowing who she is. Yes, that means that she's a rising Sagittarius and what she calls an introverted extrovert. But I also mean that on a much deeper level, she knows how she operates, what makes her tick, and she's embraced it all. I don't hold back on being, like, talking about spiritual things. or And I'm very sure people think, like, oh, my God. Like, there's some people who just think that stuff is woo-woo, and I'm okay with that. Of course, getting to this point has been a process. One that started when she first discovered Oprah. It happened around the time that Jenna turned nine, when her parents announced that there was a new TV rule at home. And it was simple enough. You can choose what you want to watch, but you only get an hour a day. It was like, okay, we're now only going to watch an hour of TV. And it was like, what is that hour going to be? And when you're nine years old, you're like, that's a big decision. Like, am I going to watch like Rugrats? Am I going to watch Hey Arnold? Like, I, where am I going to dedicate that hour? The answer turned up one afternoon during the school holidays as she nestled into a recliner in the family lounge room where the tiles and heavy beige curtains held back the Toowoomba heat. I just remember watching, like, an episode and I just instantly remember thinking, I like this. Like, I liked what she was talking about or it just, I connected straight away. 
And it was just, it was Oprah. I know that sounds crazy, but it was Oprah. Nothing works for me unless it works for everybody. So in my whole life, all of my experiences have to be win-win. If you don't win, I don't win. This was Jenna's first taste of the Oprah Winfrey show. And she'd never seen anything like it. This charismatic, sparkly, smart American woman talking to people about their lives, the things they normally kept private, taking them seriously, but holding them lightly. And she couldn't look away. So when she went back to school, her only option as she saw it was to get up early each morning and make sure that the VCR was set to record. And then it just became this thing where I would rush home, it's the first thing I'd watch, and then I'd do my homework after it. This became a pattern. Jenna grows with the show. And every weekday afternoon, there's just this window of time where it's her and Oprah. I think a hole is in your heart when there's something left unsaid or undone. When you have said all that you needed to say and given all that you could, then there's a piece about it. Beyond the celebrity interviews, there are conversations about moving on after divorce, how to deal with an attacker, and the beauty and power of Maya Angelou's poetry. Jenna finds it all completely absorbing. My, I found school so boring and not really um, engaging. My brain is quite fast and active and goes all the time, which I'm only realising now, but it did back then too. So I would come home, watch Oprah, and whatever that topic was, I then would go into my room to start my homework, but I would just be like, oh, like thinking about all these things. And it's kind of conversation basically to have with myself. Jenna's growing up in Toowoomba of the 2010s. Technically, it's a city, but really it functions more like a big, small town. This is regional Queensland. Cattle ranchers and lettuce growers occupy many of the farms nearby. And Jenna loves a lot of things about living there. But she also can't deny that inside that hour of TV, she witnesses conversations that she just doesn't hear outside of home. And even when the show's over, there was always bits that she held onto. Like, I would have on the top of my school diary, like... When you know better, you do better. All of these little things that she would say. Because she's not just there interviewing. She's there saying are these little aha moments that she calls them or things that she says. That's when I'm like, like, wow. And through Oprah's show, the world just makes a little bit more sense to her, as well as her place in it. It was like opening up a portal into this inner self that she's developing. I always just felt like surface conversations, even as a teenager didn't serve me. And also I think I felt disconnected from the people around me. Everyone will say, oh, what? She was so, like, she, she was good for everyone. But I didn't connect with anyone. Like, is this really it? Like, are these the interactions I'm going to have for the rest of my life? I wouldn't, the word embarrassed is not the right word. But I would say that you would think, oh, like, this is a bit weird, that, like, all the girls in my high school are into like going to parties and drinking cruises and talking to boys and doing all that stuff. And I'm like here wanting to learn about like energy and like why America's food system is, you know, exploding. And I still remember like going to netball um, competitions and like all the girls on the bus would have Cleo and Dolly and I would have my Oprah magazine. I connected with Oprah, like as in what she would say, I'm like, yes, yes, I'm here for that, you know? But this was not just a case of a teenage girl following a celebrity idol. On that point, Jenna is very clear. People could have or would have confused it 
with like a celebrity crush kind of thing. And I think that for me, it was not that. It was like, this is a teacher. I'm learning things. I have a desire to learn about the human experience. I just wanted to say to her, like, thank you for giving me something to connect to. In those really lonely and disconnected times, I felt like, oh, there is someone out there that does want to have these conversations. That exists just outside of where you are right now. And that was how, at 16, Jenna, already steeped in Oprah's world, first comes to The Secret and to that vision board. So The Secret is like this concept that, like, manifestation works. You don't just, like say, I want a million dollars and put it on a board and it appears. And I remember her really sending it home that like, it doesn't end with the picture on the paper. There has to be this thing that you contribute as well to pulling it off. In addition to the collage that she'd pulled together on that canvas, there was another image that stuck with her from around that time. It was one that she made after falling in love with photography at school. The task for the day was using Photoshop to seamlessly stick one person's face on another person's body. And so I had found a picture of Celine Dion and Oprah. Celine Dion was wearing like a long red dress and Oprah was wearing like a long orange dress and she was like hugging her like on the side. We took a picture from like that was on the school website of me and we took my face and put it over Celine Dion's head. And so I'd smudged it all so it looked like Oprah was hugging me and yeah. And from then on, that photo and the vision board, they became these things that Jenna lived with, something that she couldn't help looking at every day. A reminder of the hope that at some point she might get the chance to thank Oprah herself. So my vision board was like, you'd walk into my room and if you closed the door and I was sitting in my bed, it was like the thing that I saw when I woke up. So if I was sitting in my bed upright, it was right across from me. Jenna's high school years pass, she gets into uni, leaves behind that bedroom where the vision board lived, And she moves to Brisbane, starts studying film and TV alongside teaching. And then, as her 21st birthday nears, her mum gives her a choice. And she had said to me, if you apply for tickets to Oprah and we get it, like, I'll take you to America instead of having a 21st birthday party. And I was kind of like, uh, yeah, like, I don't need to have a party. Like, that's great. And the irony is that I had been applying for tickets for years and years and years and years. And the minute she had said that, Two weeks later, we got tickets. And so we flew over there for three days because I had uni exams. Like, we literally flew to LA. We went to the Kodak Theatre. That's where they had the episode, and it was amazing. This is Oprah presenting a special on the Oscars in Los Angeles. And after all these years watching her through a camera lens, there she is, the real thing, on stage, in the flesh that she came out so it was like you know you're, they amp you all up and like everyone in the audience is all like that's why she, everyone screamed when she comes out came out and everyone was losing it and I was losing it I remember like so distinctively thinking like this isn't it Jenna can see Oprah she knows that she's lucky to even be there but she can't deny that there's also this sense of feeling a bit underwhelmed she can't really see a whole lot It's a huge theatre in Los Angeles. Their seats are so far back from the stage. Oprah is really just this speck. And Jenna isn't just some fan. She's struggling to tally what's happening in that moment with the role that Oprah has played in her life. This can't be it. Can it? I connected with Oprah. Like, as in what she would say, I'm like, yes, yes, I'm here for that, here for that, here for that. But in the next instant, some clarity. 
a hunch. This wasn't going to be her only chance to say thank you. It wasn't like it was said to me. It was like I felt it. I remember just being like, oh, yeah, like this is great. This is amazing. But I remember just being like, this is not it. This is not the end for you. Like this is not the only time that you're going to see her. It's this story continues. And sure enough, not long after Jenny gets back from that trip, another opportunity actually does present itself. A month or two later, she had this episode where she was like, I'm going to send everyone to Australia. I was asleep and I remember waking up to all of these messages being like, holy fuck, like, I was coming to Australia. Like, I was obviously the person that everyone only thought of. And I was like, holy shit. Oprah has announced that after 25 years, she's finishing up the show. But not before treating 300 audience members to a whirlwind eight-day trip to Australia that would take in the sights of Uluru and the Great Barrier Reef before taping her show in the forecourt of the Sydney Opera House. With this news, Jenna heads straight to the Oprah website. And it was like, Australian Ultimate Viewers, like, write in. Send us a 200 words or whatever. And I was like, this is not a write-in. Like, sister, I am going to literally, I'm not going to write in because, like, how many people are going to write in? Like, this has got to be a full-blown production. Because the only way that you're going to get seen in the flurry of people sending those emails in is by standing out. And I remember thinking, okay, well, maybe, like, I'm a kind of half okay person because I've watched the show. I thought maybe if I interview my friends and my family and ask them, instead of me just being like, I love Oprah and she's been great, I reckon it's better if I say, like, this is who Jenna is because of. But she's not quite done. I just was like, there's something missing. And I thought, okay, well... When someone writes a petition, the reason people win that petition is because, like, there's hundreds of signatures on it. So in my head, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could get a sign and then I take heaps of photos of hundreds of people holding the sign. Then obviously they're going to be like, okay, well, 500 people want Jenna to meet Oprah, then we have to do it. So she goes out and gets this big white core flute sign made up and in big black letters printed on whiteboard, it says, I want Jenna to meet Oprah followed by two smiley faces and two exclamation marks. I took this sign everywhere. I was working in a gym and people would come up to do their workout and be like, hey, can I get a photo with you with this sign? <laughs> we had university games in Perth. I took the sign in my luggage and you can imagine me at uni games, can you hold this photo up and take a photo? Like I just had hundreds and hundreds of photos and then I put that at the end of the interviews like this really fast montage of all the photos. And I was like, okay, I need to put a song that's like indicative. And the only thing I can think of, which I thought was so perfectly matched, was um, Abba's Take a Chance on Me. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance, chance. And like all of these photos like rolling. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was great. After all the planning and shooting and editing, she uploads the video to Oprah's website. Within two weeks, she gets a reply. So I remember when they wrote back, I was just like, literally like lost my shit. I was just like, oh my God, like it was crazy. And then there was this period of maybe like a month where there was like a lot of talking with my mom and back and forward and all these things. And so you're kind of, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm at least going to get tickets. So I thought, okay, we'll get tickets. And, you know, so we had all these conversations and then honestly, like out of nowhere, they just like stop. It just goes cold. And then they released all the tickets, you know, the 10,000 tickets, and they were just gone. And we didn't get one. 
it was just like and I remember just being like we can't follow up and be like hey can you talk to me again you just you go okay well I lost well I've lost like that's that's done when it became horrible was when like months later they're landing in Australia Oprah Mania is sweeping Sydney hi hi Australia so excited to see your country for one fan at least it was all too much she's a giver she's not a taker my idol I just need to see Elvis now and I'll be right I was on family holidays on the sunny coast. We're in our little unit. And I remember just like watching the news and it's like every channel is like, Oprah and her people have arrived. Exciting and mysterious and fun and we're just, Oprah's so generous. We started singing, well, hello, Sydney. (laughs) And I will have to say it measures up to everything everybody has ever said. And everyone who's got tickets is like, I'm so excited to go. And I'm just like, everything on the news about Oprah, everything was just, Oprah, it was everywhere. And I just was like, this is really rubbing it in horribly. These ultimate viewers, they symbolize the audience that's grown up with me, that has learned from the show, that has been enlightened, enhanced, comforted by messages from the show. And this was a way to say thank you to them. them, them. Jenna had come so close to connecting with her with this woman that she had learnt some of her most treasured lessons from. And after all these years, this was all she had. The televised coverage of Oprah's Australian extravaganza, viewed from afar. It was hard to watch. Jenna's mum can see how disheartened she is. And so the next morning, she suggests they take a walk and grab a coffee at the cafe downstairs. I remember she, like so clearly said to me, you know, you've worked really hard, you've put the time in, you've put the effort in, and it's just actually someone else's time right now. And she was like, someone else was the appropriate person for that situation. Trust me. And she looked me dead in the eye and she was like, trust me. She was like, your time will come and it will happen. And she was like, you need to let it go because you holding on to it is going to just pull you further down. You've done everything you can, you can't do any more, and, like, really try and imagine it just floating off your shoulders and going off into the air. Like, she said that. And I'd say that's probably one of the first spiritual experiences I've had. I physically remember it going. Like, I just remember it being like, yeah, okay, you're right. We paid for the coffee and we just, like, walked back up to the apartment, which honestly, I'm not even kidding, would be about a minute tops. Like, they're right next to each other. And I left my phone at home and I literally opened the door and my phone rang. And I answered the phone and it was this voice. Hi, it's Amanda calling from the Oprah Winfrey Show. And I was just, like, like pointing to the phone, just being like, oh, like, what the fuck? She said... Look, we've got two tickets available. We'd like to give them to you. And I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, okay, so the show's on the 12th of December. There's two tapings, a night taping and a morning taping for Oprah. And I go, I've got tickets to Bon Jovi that night in Brisbane. Would love to be able to go to the morning taping so I can do both. However, Oprah definitely trumps Bon Jovi. So, like, I can sell those tickets. And she goes, oh, no, like, that's perfect, actually. No, the morning taping, so you can go to both. And I was like, okay, great. And that's how a week later, Jenna and her mum find themselves pulling up to the Oprah house. 
as your taxi is getting closer to where everyone's lined up, you literally see thousands of people in the longest line you've ever seen in your whole life. We're in the line for a while and then we just hear this like over the speaker, if you've got a green armband, like you need to come to the front. And my mum and I had green armbands. And then I looked around and no one was moving and I was like, okay. So then we start walking to the front, we get to the front and I still remember this lady was like, Jenna. And I was just like, hey. She's like, come this way. And I was like, that is so weird. Like I just... But I still was so naive. Like, I just was like, oh, hey. He's like, what's up, sis? Like, as if I knew her. And she's, like, walking us down. We're going closer to the stage. We're going closer to the stage. We're going closer to the stage. And literally, this lady's like, okay, like, here are your seats. And it's, like, these two seats, front row, right next to the stairs. And it had Jenna Holmes on these two big pieces of paper. On the seat right next to theirs, a name. Gail King. For those not in the Oprah universe... Gail is Oprah's best friend. These were better than VIP seats. Once everyone else has shuffled in, the show starts. The sun gleaming off the sails of the opera house. Oprah in her element. And when you're in the front row, like, she's right there. So you just, you can't even believe it's happening. Something in real life that for so long you've watched every day. There's a star-studded list of guests. Russell Crowe sits down with Oprah for a chat. There's a tribute to Steve Irwin. Jay-Z performs. Jenna is loving every minute of it. And so they say it's the final segment, like we're all kind of like aware it's kind of wrapping to the end. And the camera director, he has like this huge white board against his chest so you can't read what it says. And he comes out and he like slides it across his body to hers. Like he basically like hands her this board. I'm literally telling this part of the story from my mum's perspective because like this is where I literally blacked out. Like I don't remember after this point. He gave her the sign and he goes, she's the one in the red dress. And so she starts, like, looking around for the red dress girl, which was me. And she's, like, looking around, looking around, she can't find me. And then he goes, oh, the one in the colourful shoes. And I remember, like, she looked at my feet and she looked up right at me and then she winked and then she smiled. And I remember being like, what? And then it's like it was on cue. Bang, my video just comes on, like, the back. Thousands of our ultimate Australian viewers flooded our inbox wanting to come to our show at the Sydney Opera House. This video from Jenna in Brisbane grabbed our attention. When I got the news that you're coming to Australia, I nearly died. The lessons and the things that I've learned from your show have just shaped who I am. Like, literally, it felt like a hundred hands around me grabbing me, being like, that's you, like, as if I didn't know. Like, I am probably one of your biggest Aussie ultimate viewers. Get this, Jenna recruited 363 Aussies to deliver her message. So cute. So, Jenna, <laughs> nice to meet you. Hi. Okay, thank you. And I have a sign for you. And it says, like, I want Jenna to meet Bon Jovi. With two smiley faces and two exclamation points. Bon Jovi! And then he came out. I remember, like, standing up and being, like, putting my hands over my mouth and just being like, what? Oprah had spoken on episodes before about this concept called, like, an out-of-body experience. That whole, like, five minutes was, like, present. You're present. That's why you don't remember. And you're so shocked that it's happening that you can't later describe what's happening because you don't even remember. 
And then she goes, um, Jenna, like, come up and meet Bon Jovi. And I go up on stage and my knees go weak and I give him a hug. I remember his hair just, like, slowly bobbing as if it was slow-mo towards me. And then, so they, like, finish and she goes off the stage and everyone starts to leave and... The producer came over to me and she's like, hey, we just need you to sign a release form that you're happy to go on national TV, won't take long. And we went backstage, this beautiful green room, you can only imagine. It was, I remember it being like, okay, wow, this is a green room. It was just me and my mum and the producer and she was like, I'll get the forms ready. And I remember just grabbing a Coca-Cola because I was so depleted. And then I grabbed some salad in a bowl and she gave me the form and like as I'm filling it out, I, like, look up and she's just, like, gotten changed into, like, comfy clothes, Oprah, and she's just, like, walked in. She was in a pink button-up, like, shirt and then these, like, relaxed trousers. And it's, like, the show's over, she's coming to have a chat. And she was like, hey, hey, and, like, walks over straight to me. And she was like, so nice to meet you. And she was just like, man, you've got chutzpah. And I was like, boom, that's crazy. See, I can't remember what we spoke about, but I can remember what I felt. And I remember feeling like, yes, I understand now. I get it. I get your success. The energy that you hold, have and give is so ever-present. And it's open and it's warm and it's friendly and it's respectful. Away from the cameras, you know, in a setting where she's eating and I'm eating, I could see that she was like having a conversation with another human being and it was irrelevant that she was Oprah. It just was this feeling of like, oh, Okay, it all makes sense. And I do remember though when we were talking and she was eating and she was had her salad bowl and I had mine. I think that because I was so present in that moment, I was able to realize that like I had written this or that I had put this on my vision board. I was like, this is amazing that this is happening. Like it's it's amazing. How do you even go to Bon Jovi that night? We went to Bon Jovi and he did a shout out and I was like, I can't handle anymore. Like he was just like, Jenna in the audience. I was like, oh, you know, like a lot, you know, it's a lot. But I remember also just going home, having a shower and like getting into bed and just being like, just shaking my head like, what a day, you know, like what a day. But Oprah and her Oprah magic had one last act. A few months after the tour had wrapped, a package arrived in Toowoomba from the show's producers. Photos from the moment that Jenna went up on stage and got a big, warm bear hug from the lady herself. So the photo that was taken on the show is me and her on stage. We're looking right at the camera together and she's got her, like, warm, embraced arms around my whole body like literally bear hugging me on the side and I'm just like hey hi like smiling and that's the exact same embrace that she's giving Celine Dion that I photoshopped years ago you know in film class the picture that I took from Google Celine Dion was wearing this really long red dress and Oprah was wearing this really long orange dress and then literally in the photo of me and Oprah I'm wearing this long red dress and she's wearing a long orange dress as well I think I was just like, oh, that's just another part of the, the story, you know? It's just another part. Thanks to Jenna Holmes for sharing that with us. Her vision board still lives in her childhood bedroom in Toowoomba.
if you're enjoying days like these and would like to support us, please subscribe and leave us a rating in your favourite podcast app. Or you can share us with a friend. We love word of mouth recommendations the best of all. If there's a story that you want us to hear, please email us. Get in touch at dayslikethese at abc.net.au. On the next episode of Days Like These, a peaceful family camping trip turns into a living nightmare when one of the kids slips away and they're all left desperately scouring the bush to find him before it's too late. There are two murder detectives coming up from Sydney and they'll be here mid-afternoon. When the cadaver dogs turned up, that's when I thought things are getting pretty serious, that we might not find him alive. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Kulas. Our lead reporter is Pat Abud, and our Season 2 reporting team includes Sam Wicks, James Viver and Belinda Lopez. Our researcher is Tamar Cranswick, with a special thanks on this episode to the wonderful Alison Barclay. Our digital team includes Andrew Davies and Michael Delaney. Sound design on this episode by Russell Stapleton, with thanks to Timothy Nicastri and Stephen Tilley. The supervising producer for this episode was Rachel Fountain, with thanks to Natasha Mitchell. Our brilliant executive producers are Ian Walker and Rachel Fountain. Our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. Extra music by Russell Stapleton. We'll see you next time. Before you go, I want to tell you about a great and beloved ABC show. Ladies, we need to talk. Hosted by the effervescent Yumi Styles. Ladies dives deep into the nitty-gritty. My husband doesn't want to have sex with me. <laughs> How do I say that over a Friday night wine? The icky sticky. I could just feel my diarrhoea that I'd had all morning starting to run down my legs in front of him. And I just turned and ran to the bathroom. I was wearing trackies. I threw them off. And then I had to stuff toilet paper up my bum with no undies on and then get back in the car and pretend nothing had happened. The deeply emotional... It's not something that you talk about. It's not, you know, rock up at the school gate to pick up your kids and go, oh, hey, yeah, my husband's an alcoholic. Yeah, how are you going? <laughs> it's just not something that you... Um, it's not something that you bring up. And the taboo parts of being a woman. I really don't like the word abortion. I don't know why. It feels really hard for me to say. I know that after having three, I should be able to get used to it. Ladies We Need to Talk tackles those topics that can feel even too raw to share with a best friend or a partner. It made me feel more courageous when it came to asking for things in the bedroom. The new season of Ladies looks into what the hell happens to us in our old age and how we can get ready for it. There's also a sneak peek into the secretive world of fetish and a good hard look at the gender dating gap. Basically, why all the women you know are eights, but they can only manage to find a three. The thing that I love about ladies, and that I hope you'll love too, is that it's this super supportive, judgment-free zone. And it leaves me with this feeling that we really are all in it together. You can listen to Ladies in the ABC Listen app and all the usual podcast places.